Will the Lord be with you? All right, so confessing the resurrection, planning the rite of Christian burial. Uh, so, assuming you have, one, thought about death during, already during your lifetime, two, viewed death in the light of life, hell in the light of heaven, and sin in the light of grace, as Luther says, three, armed yourself with the tools of God's word and sacraments, and four, have put your life and possessions in order for the sake of your family, the only thing left is planning for your service. Um, and I want to preface this with a little section on death and freedom of speech. So what death, what, what the Christian faith, what our faith actually gives us the power and authority uh, and the boldness to actually confess. Because what you're doing when you're uh, planning your service is you're confessing. You're confessing. So the parable of the wedding banquet, Luke 14. But when you make a feast, invite the poor, crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Certainly you will be repaid in the resurrection of the righteous. So we think differently than the world uh, in terms of death. If you don't believe in God, if you don't believe there's such a place as heaven or hell, uh, then you're going to live your life very differently uh, because you will want to be recompensed, you will want to be repaid in this life. Everything you do will, will be for your benefit so that you can get repaid and that will even, uh, so if you, if you kind of marginally believe that there might be a God, you might be tempted to, to do this so that God would repay you, right? Uh, but the Christian, we invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, right? All those uh, people who are blessed today that Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the, uh, the, the hungry and thirsty and so on. Um, because why we don't, we're not going to get anything for it, but we are going to be blessed in eternal life. So, um, so we live our life not to get repaid, but to confess. Acts 2.29. Peter spoke uh, with Paresas, or Paresias, or Paresias, Paresias, I think. Men and brethren, let me speak freely, it's Paresias, to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him, that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up to the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foresawing this, David foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. So Peter, this is, uh, he is confessing um, this is the day of Pentecost, uh, or maybe, maybe, actually maybe it's after Pentecost. Maybe after Pentecost. Uh, anyway, he's confessing uh, boldly. So he's confessing boldly. And what is he confessing boldly? Uh, he is uh, that there is such a thing as the resurrection. He was confessing the Old Testament with David. David uh, confessing that he wasn't going to rot in the grave, but be raised to eternal life. And Jesus would be the same way. And because Jesus was raised, that means David is raised, that means all of us are raised. So Peter is able to speak freely and boldly. Um, and do I have it on here? I don't. Uh, so after this, if you read the book of Acts, the disciples are all thrown in prison, or at least Peter's thrown in prison. Peter and Paul are thrown in prison. And, and they get out, uh, and, and they actually they praise God. That they, were, that, they were, that they were counted worthy to be witnesses uh, in prison, that, they counted, that God counted them worthy enough to make them suffer in prison. So they were happy that God, actually that God allowed them to suffer persecution for the sake of Christ. Um, and so they counted themselves blessed because of it. So Christians, then, are the only ones who have true freedom of speech. Right, we talk about freedom of speech a lot, but Christians are the only ones who have true freedom of speech because 
uh, we can speak with parousias, with confidence, with boldness, because we know there is such a thing as the resurrection of the dead. So every other group tries to make friends with those who can't pay them back, right, the parable. But Christians, uh, we have nothing to gain in this life, but also we have nothing to lose, and so that makes us bold. We have nothing to gain in this life, but we also have nothing to lose. Right? This world is not all there is. And so because you are free from this life, you will bear witness to Jesus, your Lord and God in the life to come. Uh, a Mighty Fortress, the hymn that we sang last week, uh, is printed for you on the right. The word they still shall let remain, nor any thanks have for it. He's by our side upon the plain with his good gifts and spirit. And look at this. And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. So let these all be gone. Right? You're making a confession. Let these all be gone. Let the world take whatever. Even my life, even my fame, even my child, even my wife, let them all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. So you're saying, come and take it, world. Come and take it. Uh, the world uh, can, uh, the worst the world can do is kill your body. That is the worst the world can do to you, is kill your body, right? But you're going to be raised, so don't worry about it, right? So the funeral, then, uh, is a confession. You are confessing. Uh, and it's the one place where you shouldn't care what the world thinks. You shouldn't care what the world does. You shouldn't care what traditions the world has at funerals. You should have a Christian funeral. So the Christian funeral, let's talk about this. Uh, celebration of life versus funeral. Uh, we hear the, word, the, the term celebration of life uh, thrown around all the time. Uh, what's the difference? What's the difference between a celebration of life and a funeral? What, what does a celebration of life emphasize? Yeah, it emphasizes your life. And, and really, what you did, right, what you did during your life, all of your accomplishments. What is a funeral or a Christian burial? That's probably the proper way to speak of it, a Christian burial. Uh, funeral simply comes from the Latin funus, which means corpse. So it's a service for the corpse. Um, but uh, so really the proper term that we use is the Christian burial. Um, and what does that emphasize? Christian burial, eternal life, right? That this is just a resting place, that this is just a temporary thing that we're doing right now. Uh, they're just being buried, but they're going rise, to rise again. So think about, you know, why a service for a, a stillborn infant or a, uh, or a young child you know, why is that never called the celebration of life? You know, we don't have celebration of life for stillborns or for newborn infants or for young children. Um, the world wants to emphasize what you did in your life. Well, you can't do that with young children. But thankfully, Christians, you know, we have the Christian burial, that this is only temporary, that, this, that they will be raised again, raised again. Um, and, and so... Know, we, we do something different than the world. Uh, and the funeral is sacred. You know, most people treat funerals as sacred. You, you go to a funeral home, even if it's something done at the funeral home, and, and, and you know it just feels different, right? Uh, it feels sacred. Everyone there is, is being reverent for the most part. I mean, maybe there's a few jokes told, and those are all good. Um, but for the most part, people are carrying themselves a little bit more reverently and they're really paying attention to what's going on around them. Um, and, you know, it's ironic that, that some churches who, like some new churches today that build, build worship spaces, uh, you know, they leave their sanctuary and they do the, the worship in this new, this new worship space with the, you know, the stage and the rock band and all of that. But where do they have the funeral? Not there. They do it at their old church, right? The place that they left. You can see this, there's a... Um, Church down in Evansville that does this. Um, the new, I forgot what it's called. They just built the new, the new church building. Um, 
and uh, they, you know, the, the new one is built with this, you know, stage and everything, but they do the funerals in the old church, right? Um, and so, you know, so it's ironic that we do that, uh, that we, that we use, that we use, that we treat funerals more sacred. But what makes a funeral sacred? What makes the funeral sacred? What makes anything sacred? So sacred simply means holy, right? So sanctify, make us holy. Uh, what makes something sacred? We have the sanctuary. What makes the sanctuary holy? It's the word of God, right? What makes a saint holy? It's not their work. It's the word of God. Uh, and so that's the same thing that makes our worship services holy, is the word of God. So we should treat every service, not just funerals or weddings, every service as sacred, because every service has the word of God. Right? Um, so we have, we have these different customs uh, in a funeral. Uh, we light the Paschal candle, which you see in front of you, and it's lit today for All Saints Day. Uh, but we light that. Um, if you look, I don't know if you've ever taken a chance to look at this, but on the bottom here, there's, um, it's in memory of Dorothy, uh, uh, Dorothy Harding, uh, who died like right when I got here, um, and we had her funeral over in Toma. But there's a Bible passage on here that says, uh, um, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We too might uh, walk in newness of life, Romans 6, verse 4. Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, so too we might walk in newness of life, Romans 6, verse 4. Um, and that's the, really the theology of the Paschal candle. So it confesses that because you are baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection, and because Jesus died, but that he didn't stay dead, he rose. And because you're baptized, because you're joined into that, because you're clothed with Jesus' righteousness, you are going to get the same new life that Jesus has. Uh, this, this candle, uh, it's tall because it's meant to symbolize the, um, the pillar of light that led the, the, led the Israelites um, through the Red Sea, right? So what's leading th you through your red, the Red Sea of your baptism? It's Jesus, right? On the one side was death and slavery, right, in Egypt or here, but on the other side is, is new life. So we light the Paschal candle for all baptisms, and we light it for all funerals, and we light it for Easter uh, and for All Saints Day. Um, did anybody watch um, Colin Powell's funeral? A little bit? Um, his, I think his was a great example of a, of a Christian funeral, a really great example. For the most part, centered on Christ, even the sermon um, was really all about Christ. And you don't see that often, really, from, from uh, top politicians like that, but it was really good. Um, and it was very reverent, uh, and he was covered. Do you know what his casket was covered with? So this is, you know, secretary, former Secretary of State, uh, served a long time in the U.S. military, so one of the top military officials. Um, but what was his casket covered with? A white pall. Yeah, so it wasn't covered in the American flag. It was covered in a white pall. Uh, and, and so we use pauls. We, don't, we actually don't own one for our church. Um, and I, I'd, like, I'd love to get one. They're kind of expensive. But, but we use pauls, hence the term pallbearers. Right, every funeral has pallbearers, even though, you know, ironically, we don't always have pauls. Uh, but a pall... Uh, is used, and I've got this on your, on your handout, in holy baptism, so this is something that I, I say for every funeral. So in holy baptism name, the person was clothed in the robe of Christ's righteousness that covered all his sin, Galatians 3.27. St. Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And the congregation responds, and say this with me, we were buried therefore with him, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Uh, so the Paul is meant to symbolize the robe of righteousness that uh, a Christian received when they were baptized. So to have a Paul is to really remind us of, of, a bap, of, of their baptism. Uh, so that's the funeral. And then we go to the, 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 
the graveside and the burial. Um, so the church cemetery, it, it comes from the Greek word koimeterion, uh, and it means dormitory. What's a dormitory? Yeah, a place where you, where you sleep, right? Where you sleep, just, just for a short while. Uh, and so this is brilliant. Uh, so churches that have burial grounds, they're always called cemeteries. Right? So the one on the north side, which I, I believe is owned by the Catholic Church, it's called a cemetery. But, and not, unfortunately not every place follows this, but if it's not owned by a church, then it's a graveyard. It doesn't confess anything. Right? Um, so that's the difference between graveyard and cemetery. So a cemetery is, is owned by the church. It's a dormitory. Um, and so the, the, you know, the Christian, you, will want you to, survivors to know, even by the way he was placed in the ground, that he was the one who by faith in Christ's atoning blood looked forward to citizenship in heaven, even bodily citizenship. So Philippians 3. But our citizenship is in heaven. We are eagerly waiting for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. By the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, he will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. So, we're looking forward to a bodily citizenship. Um, I want you to notice um, the cover, the, the picture that's on the front cover of your, of your handout. There's the parable of the buried treasure from Matthew 13, 44. And, and it says this, The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. In his joy, he goes away and sells all that he has and buys that field. Uh, there's two ways to take that parable. It's a, it's a one-verse parable, really short, but it's, it's profound. There's two ways to take that parable. Uh, you can read it that we are the ones that have to buy everything and, and go get the field, or sorry, sell everything and go get that field. When we realize that that, that treasure is Jesus that's in the, in the field, and we sell everything in our life, and we devote our lives to Jesus. That's a, that's a proper way. The historic way to take that parable is to see Jesus as the one who sells everything and buys the field. And what's the treasure hidden in the field? It's you and me, right? So uh, that picture is Jesus. Uh, the caption says, For joy he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. So the field that we are buried in, Jesus bought to, to bring us back. Um, so we don't, have, you know, we don't have any official practice regarding cremation versus burial. Um, however, uh, so while you may in freedom choose either one, um, cremation is not the historic practice of the church. Um, so you, you may in freedom do it. So, so don't hear me say like this is a sin. Um, when you're dead, you can't sin anymore anyway, right? So, so no matter what happens to your body, like, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you're just going to speed up the process of the resurrection. Or, no, I mean, not really. But, um, you're, you're, sorry, you're speeding up the process of, it, of your body returning to dust. But uh, it's not the historic practice of the church. And again, what you're doing in a, in a burial, a Christian burial, is confessing. And you can confess even when you're dead. Uh, and so the cremation came about um, by atheists who wanted to mock Christianity. Uh, and they knew Christians were always burying their dead. And they were always burying, if you go to a Christian cemetery, all the graves uh, face east uh, in anticipation for the resurrection of the dead. So the body will raise facing Jesus, right? Um, but atheists came up with cremation as a way to, to kind of mock Christianity and just you know, flung their ashes to the wind. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Nothing matters, right? We're all going to die anyway. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, and uh, uh, who cares about death? And so that's where, that's where cremation came about. Um, and uh, so, there, so there may be Christians who, uh, uh, knowing that, like, who, who know the difference, uh, who maybe, so, so some might be a little troubled by cremation. Uh, and so what you want to do at your, at your burial is to confess, you know, confess rightly. Again, 
you're, you're free to do a cremation, but might there be a better something, uh, something better to confess by a burial, right? Um, and uh, to, to bury your body, because you are going to have a bodily resurrection, uh, and you are going to have a bodily reunion in heaven, uh, and your body, uh, Job says, uh, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end, uh, he will stand upon the earth, and I, with my own eyes, will see him, I myself and not another. So you have all these passages in the Bible about our bodies actually being there to witness Christ's uh, resurrection, or Christ's uh, second coming. Um, and, uh, of course, Jesus himself was, was buried, right? Um, so, any, any questions there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that probably. Uh, if you're going to have a cremation, that's probably the more proper way to do it. You know, to put it to put it in the ground, um, put the body in the ground, um, and still bury it. Uh, so have the burial. Um, you know, but not. You know, so, and this is why it, you know it's a confession. Not everybody is able to have a, a burial. It's more expensive. Um, uh, some, unfortunately, die and, and their bodies are so mangled that they're not able to have a, a proper burial, and so they have to be cremated. So, you know, there are these things, and, and God is going to raise the bodies no matter what state they're in, right? Um, uh, and so we, we, we have that promise. Planning the service. You have this handout, uh, and I'm not going to go through all of it, um, but this is what I give to people that are planning a funeral. And uh, we walk through the things in there. And uh, you can read all about, you can read all of that. Um, but I have a list of especially appropriate hymns. And we're going to sing a couple now. Um, many people choose hymns uh, or, or songs simply because they're well known, not because they're good. Uh, but the funeral is not, it's not deathbed karaoke. Uh, it, it, so you, you want to pick hymns that, that actually confess something, not just because you like them, but because they actually confess something. Um, and so, you know, there are some, some songs and hymns that people will choose, especially if they haven't, you know, been properly catechized and, and, ever thought through the funeral before, and they'll choose some pretty, pretty terrible songs. Um, and fine, you, you, you can have those sung, and um, we'll sing them. But you know what? You'll be in heaven anyway, uh, and you'll be singing the hymns that I would have picked anyway. Uh, so uh, I'm only, only half kidding there. Uh, but um, so you want to pick hymns that confess. Um, we went to a funeral... Uh, a couple months ago, uh, Carla's grandma uh, picked some amazing hymns for her funeral. Uh, and she wasn't thinking about her. I don't know if they were her favorites. I don't think they were. But she was thinking about her, her kids and grandkids and great-grandkids as she picked them. Um, because some of them are, are not the most faithful. Um, and so it was, she, she viewed it as her one last time to confess to her, her grandkids. And it was just beautiful. So hymns of note, um, let's sing, um, you'll need your hymnals, let's go to hymn 33, uh, verse 4, hymn 33, verse 4, this is, we now implore God the Holy Ghost.
to a hymn of Martin Luther, uh, and it's in the invocation section of the hymnal, um, but a, a beautiful one um, to confess at the, the funeral that we have, we have nothing to fear, and those living have nothing to fear. 260, or 236 is the next one. I'm going to have trouble making through it. <laughs> These are such good hymns. 260, uh, 236. 236, and we'll sing verse 3. And every verse of that hymn is, is wonderful. Um, and actually, you, you have one on the very, next, the, the very next page, Thou to whom the sick and dying, which I believe uh, is, it kind of got, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, this is one hymn that, that kind of got misplaced in the hymnal. Uh, and it's actually a hymn for, uh, for last moments. But it fits in the mercy of God, too. So that's also a good one. Um, but, um, yeah, so let us, and then the fourth verse. Can we sing the fourth verse, too? Can we sing another verse? Uh, 236. Notice how it's easy to sing, too, and, and that's another thing you want to look out for, uh, for hymns for funeral, ones that are easy to sing, um, because not everyone there is, uh, you know, will be a, a great singer. Um, one of the most common hymns for a funeral is How Great Thou Art. Uh, technically, that hymn is very challenging to sing, um, so you know, that would be a good one for a soloist to do at a funeral. It's really difficult for a whole congregation to do, um, because it just jumps all over the place. Um, this one... Uh, it, it repeats twice in the hymn, and it, it's all in a very singable range. Um, let's look at 406, verse 3. 406, verse 3.
little more difficult, but still very, very doable, uh, very singable. It does repeat. Um, and uh, this is a great one because you're confessing what happens to your body. Lord, let at last thine angels come. My body is going to be carried by the angels to Abraham's side in heaven. So uh, my body safe and peaceful sleep until thy reappearing, and then from death awake me, that these mine eyes with joy may see. Uh, let's go to the next one, hymn 333. Uh, this is Christ, the life of all the living. This is a Lent hymn, uh, but still, so you don't have to stick with uh, hymns in, in the funeral or death section of the hymnal. You can go all over the place, um, and this is a, a, a great one. Christ, the life of all the living, and uh, let's sing uh, verses 1 and 7. We've talked about looking upon Christ in your last moments, and what a wonderful hymn to do that, a hymn for Good Friday, when we're, we're, we're thinking about the, the, the crucified Christ on the cross, but through his death we are, we are granted eternal life. Turn to 475. 475. This will probably, probably be unfamiliar to you. Um, 475 is Praise God This Hour of Sorrow. And uh, this hymn is, was actually written for the death of an infant or a stillborn. Um, and so uh, it's not listed as that in the hymnal, but, but that is what, is, uh, what it was uh, intended for. Um, because we do confess that there is an eternal life even, even for them. Um, and so what a wonderful comfort. I, I, I've shared this with, uh, with parents who have lost, um, lost little ones before. Um, let's sing, uh, let, let me just read for you, um, uh, let's see, where is it, uh, verse 6 here, so think of a little child saying this, so this is, this is told, uh, the hymn is told from the perspective of the little child who is now in heaven, so when ye shall see me nearing, the throne of God appearing, adorned and crowned a bride, my palms of victory swinging, midst hallelujahs ringing, in beauteous grace, the Lamb beside. Uh, so let's sing. Um, let's sing verse ah, uh, one and one and one and eight. Let's sing one and eight.
So another one, uh, speaking of hymns for children, 161, 161. And uh, this is a Christmas hymn. Uh, o Jesus Christ, thy manger is. Uh, it's written by Paul Gerhardt, uh, whom I've talked about before. Uh, look up his story. Uh, he suffered more than any of us could, could probably ever know. Uh, and he wrote the most beautiful hymns, uh, including this one. And we sing it at Christmas too, so the second Sunday after Christmas. If you know your church, uh, church calendar, the second Sunday after Christmas is the Sunday that we talk about uh, how Herod tried to kill the infant Jesus. Uh, and so we, we think about you know, the death of, of children uh, on that day. Uh, because what did Herod do? He, he murdered all their little baby, little baby boys, two years old and younger. Uh, and still, though uh, Jesus, uh, so though they, though, though they died, they died in faith. And so as martyrs, they will rise to eternal life. And so this hymn uh, is a perfect fit for that. Let's sing verses 4 and 5. The hymn ends, uh, The world may hold her wealth and gold, but thou, my heart, keep Christ as thy true treasure. To him hold fast until at last a crown be thine, an honor in full measure. Let's go to a baptism hymn, 246. 246. Uh, this is uh, an old hymn, but it's a newer hymn because it was only translated in 1991 into English. Um, so it's from the 1600s um, by, one of the, by a great Lutheran pastor, uh, Edward uh, Neuermeister. He, he's written a lot of, uh, he was the one that wrote uh, Christ the Life of All the Living that we sang earlier. Um, and he wrote this one too for baptism. Let's sing verse 4. And then look at verse 5. There is nothing worth comparing to this lifelong comfort sure. 
open-eyed, my grave is staring, even there I'll sleep secure. Though my flesh awaits its raising, still my soul continues praising. I am baptized into Christ. I am a child of paradise. So again, going back to the, the comfort of baptism that we have at, at the Christian funeral. Uh, let's go to a funeral hymn, uh, or a, a death and dying hymn, 525. 525, uh, and there are uh, a number of verses here. We're not going to sing them all. Um, so this is Lansted. Uh, uh, I think I'm, no, no, no. He didn't write, the one we sang today, uh, Behold a Host, that was written by, um, that was Grieg and Brorson. Never mind. So Lansted's another, uh, he's a Danish composer. Um, so let's sing verses one and uh, one and seven.
one, Jesus Christ, my sure defense in 532. And I've got, I've got four listed there, but let's sing, uh, uh, let's sing one and, one and ten. And again, this is told from the perspective of the one who, who really has died uh, or is dying. Uh, and so for, for you to have your family sing it at your funeral, uh, you're having them confess what you are, what you are experiencing. Uh, and uh, so uh, you're, you're, you're showing Christ in your funeral. And so maybe they're, you know, maybe in all these things, maybe they're thinking about you because some of these were your favorite, um, but really you're pointing them to Jesus. Right, and that's the goal. Uh, so I want to close with uh, Luke 7 here, Luke 7, 11 and 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went on his way to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a very large crowd were traveling with him. As he was approaching the town gate, there was a dead man being carried out, carried out the only son of his mother. She was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw, Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not cry. He went up to the open coffin, touched it, and the pallbearers stopped. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear gripped all of them, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This was reported about him in all of Judea and in all the surrounding countryside. So, the boy was raised, and what was the first thing he started doing? Talking, Talk, speaking. Uh, I don't doubt that the first thing he started speaking were praises, uh, a doxology, right? A doxology is uh, a life of, uh, that's, that's praising. Uh, it's a good, a good word, right? Good word, uh, praising, uh, using a good word. And so he's praising, he's using a good word, he's doxologizing Jesus for, for being raised from the dead. And, and, you know, we are made to praise God. Uh, and, and not just uh, a general, oh God, you're awesome, look how good you made me, but confessing everything Jesus has done for our salvation. We are called to speak back to God what he has spoken to us. And, and we do that in this life, but we do that completely in the world to come. Uh, and so at your funeral, we can do this. We can speak back to God what he's spoken to us and notice, when the boys started speaking, after that, they glorified God. A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this was reported about him. So, so by this little boy's confession, uh, and of course the act too, um, everybody else there started praising God and declaring what God had done. Uh, and this was reported about Jesus and all, all, of, uh, all of Judea and the surrounding countryside. So think about, at your funeral, uh, what are you saying to the people that are, are coming? Uh, are they going to be saying how great you were, how great thou art, or are they going to be saying how great God was and, and what God has done for you? Uh, and, uh, 
And so that, that is our, our goal. We are to confess the resurrection at, at our funerals. Any questions? I know we're over. Well, thank you for confessing with me today. Uh, you can take this home and look at this. Uh, and uh, if you want to fill it out, uh, you certainly can. You don't have to wait uh, for your family to do it for you. Uh, you can do this now, uh, and uh, you can give it back to me. And then I'll put it in my file, and I'll have it with you. Uh, and that'll make things easy uh, for, uh, for when, when your day comes. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. That's one of my favorite books. It's just beautiful, but it's hard to follow. Um, well, anyway, thanks. Thanks for coming, and uh, God's peace be with you all.